Welcome to Wisdom at the Crossroads. I'm your host, Amanda Onchalenko, and I'm excited to invite you into my studio practice remotely. Together, let's pause the rhythm of the day as we dive into the backstories of an artistic life, my life, exploring lessons learned through creativity and inspiration. So get yourself a beverage and let's settle in for a short while as we reflect on how some of my favourite paintings have evolved and what wisdom I have found at the crossroads where action and presence meet. Springtime always inspires me. It gets me thinking of my garden, which has always been a muse. The black earth of the prairie is a rich and supportive host for my perennials, annuals and herbs, and I love to touch the earth, to feel connected to something larger than myself, to be literally grounded in the moment and the action of curating a seasonal show. My camera was once my studio assistant when the activities of my athletic family necessitated storing my inspiration on film. Much of that inspiration came from the garden, and those images became starting points for paintings that often grew in series. My intention has never been to replicate my source, but to allow the work to evolve as the energy of circumstance, memory and intention converge in acrylic colour across a two-dimensional surface. In my paintings, I strive to capture the essence of the moment, to describe with the action of a loaded and wet flippy brush or a flat square bristle, the cheeky personalities of the poppy, the shapes of a perennial community, the buoyancy of a cluster of daisies, the strength of spring bulbs, or the expansive nature of a prairie landscape. In my studio, inspiration is infinite. Discipline is a necessary constant, and the garden is a perennial theme blooming year-round, indoors, on canvas and panel, in colour, outdoors, in its natural state, only for a very short time of the year. Right now in the studio I'm working on a couple of commissions. These new clients have seen some of my new work and chose to use that as a starting point for their respective projects. I intentionally leave sold works on my website so new clients can get a sense of what I do and what I have done in the past. A picture is worth a thousand words, so it also makes for a simpler conversation when examples of previous work can help to explain a thought or a preference or an idea, mine or the client's. Painting a garden or a landscape subjects keeps me excited for the next growing season, even if it is still a bit further off in the distance than I would like. This year the late spring and record April snowstorms have kept the distraction of the garden at bay for now, so I have more time to apply to these painting projects for the time being. I'm definitely ready though to play in the dirt. I love the garden, all gardens. I love the little incidental green spaces in urban and suburban environments. Some might call the plants that grow their weeds, and weeds might be a little harsh, but I do love to see plants thrive in challenging circumstances. That's probably why in Canada I have been so enamoured with the perennials and biennials I experience here in my northern backyard. When I first came to Canada, my novice attempts to break soil in our Zone 3 backyard involved the rescuing of hardware store packages of bulbs and bare roots that I tossed casually into a neglected triangular garden bed and I used the term garden bed very loosely in our then undersized backyard. In the front were a couple of trees, a lawn, and some shaded overgrown foundation plantings. There was a small rectangle of grass in the back, a patio and a mature hedge of heritage lilacs along the fence that were a spectacle in their brief bloom. These lilacs might have partially obscured a small potential garden bed while they bloomed, 
but once their show had settled, there became a clear need to add some kind of colour to the space. This plot lay just beyond the canopy of a gnarled and craggy apple tree that had overtaken the featured corner of our postage stamp lot. The bed was home to variegated bishop's goutweed, which at the time I did not realise was invasive. I watched that semi-shaded spot from the vantage point of a small patio table and chair and was amazed to witness the compressed growing season usher to life a leggy stem that burst open with the most magnificent bloom. The stargazer lily was pungent and beautiful and was definitely an inspiration. I had actually never seen one bloom in a garden before. I had only seen them on daytime TV, on Y&R, and thought they were so perfect they must have been artificial. My bloom was almost too heavy to be supported by the stem that held it safely above the variegated tangle at its feet. It was a mesmerising spectacle with the added bonus that I could safely play in the dirt around it without my instinctive Australian fear of spiders kicking in. I was so appreciative that one bloom I didn't even notice there was only one out of the entire package I'd planted that bloomed. It wasn't long, though, before I became the horticultural student of my next-door neighbour, who shared her passion for the colourful succession of reblooming perennials with me. I remain in her debt and think of her each year when I see fuchsia petunias return to the garden centres. She loved those. The gift of the garden extends beyond colour in the landscape to encourage friendship. The garden also brings about the kindness of strangers. When we moved from the postage stamp-sized apple tree garden with the staggering solo stargazer lily, a colleague of my husband's arrived on our driveway with a trailer load of labelled cuttings and seed heads to get our perennial garden started. Some of these I tossed liberally into a strip of side yard that caught and held the warmth of the afternoon sun. Tucked along a fence, this little incidental plot grew carnation-headed poppies, bachelor buttons, blue delphiniums, yellow Asiatic lilies, and a sprinkling of wild daisies. These little colonies welcomed me into the backyard from the driveway and ushered me back out front through the gate. Nobody benefited from this joyful little oasis but me, and I was happy to pick and play with it while the larger efforts out back took hold. They wouldn't be ready to show any results until after a season or two of growth. To prolong the brief bloom time, I took some snapshots from the in and out vantage points of this little garden plot to use later in the studio. Painted in 2006, the pair I painted on paper inspired by this spot keep a mixed-media record of the earliest days of my current garden. In 2006, I was still working on paper and this pair shared a full sheet of watercolour paper scored vertically, so the images are about 11 by 30 inches. The full sheet had a lovely deckled edge which can't be replicated, but the cut edge was softened by scoring a crease down the centre, applying water with a paintbrush along the scored line and with a little patience and some gentle pressure, tearing the full sheet in half. The process allowed me to achieve, if not a true deckled edge, then at least a softened edge that still allowed me to float mount the finished pieces and keep the organic edges of the paper on display. My garden was small yet expansive and could easily have filled full sheets, but the idea of a narrow vertical composition was appealing and has been a shape I have used periodically over the years. The finished pieces are framed and fit comfortably into small spaces. I gifted this pair one to each of our daughters, who at the time were keen to see what was happening in my little studio. The paintings live separately in a house, but will one day move out when our girls eventually leave home. As I was contemplating this pair, we were in the midst of what was forecast to be a generational spring storm. Thankfully, the storm didn't live up to the dire early predictions, but we did still see snow pile up on grass that was just beginning to show the promise of future growth.
bringing my once upon a garden indoors in a painting gives me hope that the earth will eventually rebloom, even though in some years like this one, it's really a long time to wait. My buried perennial garden in this northern climate will soon demonstrate its resilience and burst back to life for its fleeting yet vibrant display. And soon is definitely the key word we are all holding on to here. When I was painting on paper, I used the heaviest paper I could find to try to mitigate or at least minimise the warping that occurred after the addition of wet media on paper. A traditional watercolourist might tape the dry paper to a board to keep the ground taut while it dried, but that would take the deckled edge out of the equation. I wanted to paint to the edges of the paper and found ways to flatten the paper after the painting process. My little system began with me spraying mist of water to the back of the paintings to relax the paper. I would then layer the paintings between glassine and blotting papers, then weighting them in groups under sheets of masonite and my heavy art history books. It was a workout, but it seemed to work out. I began this pair of paintings using watered-down acrylic paint. Acrylic dries quickly, which was helpful on my limited budget of painting time in those days. Having two compositions to work on simultaneously was also helpful in maximising my studio time. At the end of my studio visit, I would let the pieces dry. So when I returned to them the following day, I would either add further layers of acrylic or draw into them with chalk pastel. The pastels helped me to avoid browning down when wet colours merged on paper, and they also helped me to focus on highlights or adding details or refinements using one colour literally in my hand at a time, as I did when I was at printmaking. My studio was on the second floor of the building then, and I made frequent trips downstairs to the loading dock to spray fixative to seal in the layers of paints and pastel. The resultant images have a sketchy feel to them. There is no horizon line, and they suggest rather than accurately describe the inhabitants of that narrow garden bed. I love the effects of chalk pastel. The media was a good choice for describing the plant material in a simplified way, while still being able to render them as recognisable. The acrylic base got me started on my journey through layers, and is essentially how I continue to begin my paintings in the present. Chalk pastel can be a bit fragile, and despite best laid plans to seal it with a fixative so I could continue working over top of earlier layers, there was a tendency for small crumbs to separate from the surface. The pair was framed, float mounted, with matting behind glass, and they look comfortable in their frames. A good framer is a really good investment, especially if you're working with paper. Over the years, there has been some crumbling of pastels from the surface of these paintings, but other than the memory of chalk pastel screeching across my fingernails and sending my teeth into a desperate clench, the paintings are still appreciated and are an accurate record of some of my early practices. Some of the lessons I learned from this pair include the process, noting that the process is personal, and though we are always evolving, there are some aspects of each new chapter that stay with us as we grow. For me, the use of one colour at a time has helped me to avoid blending clear colour down to neutrals. Framing is an investment, especially for works on paper, and definitely worth doing it properly. The perennial garden will return each year, no matter how late the spring snowstorm barrels through, and each year it will show a little differently depending on the seasonal conditions and the amount of attention or neglect it receives. Surprisingly, perennials are sometimes better left to their own devices. Our cottage garden has been the beneficiary of my time in recent years, but the delphiniums in that sunny patch of side yard have multiplied and make a spectacular leggy show without or despite my efforts each year. Chalk pastel still makes my teeth great. It's even hard to type a description of it without the memory of chalky teeth and my face instinctively twisting itself into a sour taste in response. <sighs> there is no such thing as a trespasser in my yard. 
just friends we are yet to meet. Should you find yourself in my neighbourhood, please know I am always happy to spread the garden joy by sharing cuttings and seeds in the example of our friends who arrived on the driveway of our new home and my former neighbour who shared her knowledge and generosity with me, as I will in turn, with you. As a final note in this, the lucky 13th episode of the podcast, it is good to remember that in life as in art, friendships, plants and pastimes will all continue to evolve and to grow with and without our help and encouragement. Since we were talking about paintings inspired by my side yard, I thought we would continue that theme in our meditation. The word backyard infers a personal space, a private oasis, a quiet outdoor space. And for me, that means temperate weather, a comfortable place to sit maybe, somewhere where we can be undisturbed in thought and action. Decide what your side yard looks like. It can be a real or imagined space. And let's rest here a while. Close your eyes. Take a full cleansing breath as we seek presence and a quiet respite from all the expectations and commitments that are waiting. Let's let them wait a while as we take a moment to recharge, to surrender our physical selves to the possibility of connecting to something larger than ourselves. Wherever you are, be it a simple, unpretentious, incidental green space on your daily path, or an environment you have toiled over for a period of years, wherever it is, how large or small, in the physical world, or in the imaginary world of memory and desire, when we pause and consciously step aside from the action and activity around us, we can settle our spirit and accept the support of the universe that is always available. Your presence is all that is required. Today I'm going to my once upon a side yard. There may still be snow shielding the soil there from a new season, but I'm going to virtually visit the space while it is blooming at its peak. The Asiatic lilies are glowing in pure sunshine yellow. Their stamens are reaching out with an invitation to pollinators and ploofy, ruffled poppy heads welcome me to take pause there with them. Let's get comfortable where we physically are. Settle ourselves. Breathe in our own personal cycle and begin to relax. I invite you to take yourself to your chosen garden space with curiosity. Close your eyes and imagine what is around you. What is growing there? What is waiting to bloom? My side yard is sheltered and holds the warmth of the developing season. I breathe in this warmth and invite the energy of a fresh new season in on the breath with the inhale. Try to be aware of your breath. Notice the strength of the breath 
as it inflates your belly. Notice the way the exhale eases any tension you might not even realize you are holding on to. Allow any tension to be swept away as the air leaves your body on the exhale. Notice what is around you, wherever you are. The fence in my side yard is used as a highway for neighborhood squirrels as they commute from woody lilacs along the driveway down into the backyard and the shelter of evergreens. While the squirrels are in constant motion, active and industrious, we have the luxury of time to observe the busyness going on around us as we rest. Let's focus on our breathing. Fully inhale the temperate air and fully release all disease on the exhale in a cycle you determine at your own pace. Breathing in and feeling that warmth. Releasing any tension on the exhale. Leave your industrious plans on the back burner for later while we focus on being fully present in the few moments we have allotted to ourselves. Life is lived in the details. I'd like to invite you to pause to take in the details of the natural elements in the vicinity. To accept the energy available to us as we relax where we are, whether you are there in person or in your imagination. Regardless of your chosen setting, whether it is vast and lovingly tended expansive garden, a simple side yard pocket thriving in comfortable conditions, maybe you're barely in view of a pot plant, or have an indoor orchid on your desk, maybe you're on a balcony, and you're seeing and smelling the fragrant herb basket beside you. It makes no difference where our respite is located, or whether it is real or imagined. What matters most is that we take the moment to accept the invitation to rest there, to breathe there, to be there, however briefly. Let's strive to breathe and fully inhale, to refresh ourselves in the natural world. As I return my focus to the breath, I am reinstated in my side yard. I am comfortable, I am relaxed, and I am present. I see the action of this ecosystem about me, but I am an observer only, not a participant. Should my thoughts stray and begin to make lists of what needs to be addressed as my day evolves, I will acknowledge these thoughts and remind myself there is plenty of time for them later. Now is a short time just for me. Time to breathe, to inhale fully, to inflate my lungs and observe. To exhale any negativity I might not even realize I am holding on to. 
It's a reminder to accept the energetic gift of a pause in nature that we are granting ourselves now. I hope you will accept the offering of this communal practice and that its example might inspire you to take your own interior journeys that might help you to move through life in a way that isn't hurried or rushed, in a way that allows you to pause reflectively in natural spaces, real or imagined, as you make your way through the course of any day. It's time to refocus now on where we physically are, to begin to bring movement back into our physical bodies. Let's start by rotating the ankles and the wrists, moving slowly as we transition from the pause we have created back to the rhythm of our day. Thanks for joining me. I'm very appreciative of the opportunity we have accepted to be together in presence. Be well, be present. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're able to find something that resonated for you as we journeyed through the backstories of art, life and inspiration together. Watch for new episodes to drop weekly on Tuesdays. I'll meet you there with your morning coffee or afternoon tea as we gather in my studio remotely. Unless, of course, you knock on my door or pop into my messages. Find me on Instagram at mandartcanada or on my website www.mandart.ca where you'll find show notes and images of the artworks we discuss on the podcast in the blog. Feel free to bring a friend or reach out with your questions or comments. I would love to hear from you. In the meantime, I will look forward to joining with you again as we seek wisdom at the crossroads where action and presence meet. Take care. Bye now.